Welcome once again to the Grade A Movies podcast and video production. My name's Larry Lannon, and we have two gentlemen here who write for GradeAMovies.com. We have Adam Lawson. Adam, welcome again. Good to see you, Larry. Always good to get your video face on there. And Alec, it's your turn now. Great to see you as well. Good to see you guys as well. Thanks. As you both probably know, I'm much more comfortable before a microphone than a camera, but <laughs> I, I've, I've gone ahead and gone along with the video production. It's also an audio podcast, too. So let's talk about our film uh, situation. By the way, both of those gentlemen I just introduced can be read at gradeamovies.com. Now what I'd like to start off with are some issues. We haven't been around for a few weeks. There's one thing I want to talk about, because the future of a movie theater as an industry is under debate, under discussion. Regal theaters are closed. We don't know when they'll open. AMC is open on a limited basis, and there are other theaters open and closed all throughout the country on the independent side. The question that uh, we come up with is, uh, okay, AMC is a, is a company that recently said they got some capitalization in. They're going to be around at least in the uh, middle of this year, hopefully to, uh, by the time their vaccines are distributed and so forth, they'll, people will feel better about going to the movie theater and that things will pick up for them. Well, now, if you've been reading about this GameStop situation where we've got some rebels on Reddit. You know, I was on Reddit for a while. Reddit just isn't for me. That's a different group. It gets Reddit. But there's a group of people on Reddit who decided they were going to buy up GameStop stocks. Now, what was happening is the hedge funds, the big money people, were betting that GameStop was going to go down in, in price because it's, it's a brick and mortar operation for the most part. And uh, th- those uh, operations have not been doing well lately. Well, these rebels decided to buy the stock up. It went from like, what, $10, $15 up to $300, $400 when this happened. Now it's back down to 30 something But the hedge funds were betting the, the stock was going to go down. I won't get into all the vagaries of put options and selling short and all that stuff. That's all kind of into the weeds. Bottom line is the, the hedge funds were betting the stock would go down. It went way up. People said, oh, it, we're... We're rebelling against Wall Street, the big hedge funds. Well, what's happened is AMC has now become a part of this. That was GameStop and some of the other stocks that Reddit, the rebels took on was AMC. It's shot up. So uh, let me ask Alec to start. Uh, Have you been following this? What do you make of it? Uh, I've been following it very uh, cursorily. I'm not a stock person. I have a money person who takes care of all this stuff for me. I'm pretty ignorant. Uh, I'm not mad at some kids getting uh, money and taking money away from people who have three houses and two boats. So um, if it helps AMC, I'm all for that. I want theaters to exist, and AMC happens to be the most convenient one for me to visit. So, Well, Adam, what do you think? AMC, uh, the stock's gone up, maybe not in the way people would think. Uh, what do you make of this? This is actually really good news for movie lovers for a lot of reasons. Uh, first off, so AMC, you know, they probably had a, they had some debt before the crisis happened. Um, so this wasn't the best time for some of this to occur. But they had decreased revenues and uh, money that they were owed that they owed someone. And question belongs is how long they could survive trying to not go bankrupt. Bankruptcy doesn't mean the end, but it's not a great sign for a business. You usually have to sell off some assets or whatnot. This provides an infusion of capital for AMC by selling off some of their stock. 
Uh, and because the debt they were owed, they just converted that debt into getting paid in stock. They were able to uh, be in a much better financial position. According to the news, they say that they can survive uh, 2021. And uh, if that's a good thing, because if they can get through 2021, better days should be on the horizon. Uh, like we've talked about before, I still think the movie industry for theaters is going to have a big adjustment in the future as people become more comfortable watching movies at home. Uh, I think restaurants are going to adjust as more people get carry out. So I do think you're going to see some changes in the world, but they're never going to completely go away. But I think COVID could have hastened those changes. Uh, interestingly enough, though, about the stock thing, two things. One, uh, a certain movie was trending on Amazon and iTunes rental charts, and that is The Big Short, a Adam McKay written and directed Best Picture nominee starring Steve Carell, Brad Pitt, and Christian Bale. Uh, it holds up. It's a good movie. Although if they were to make a movie on this one, I hope they wouldn't make the hedge funds the victims in the scenario. I, I hope that they wouldn't be like, oh, my God, we have to sell our yacht and get a smaller yacht. I hope that wouldn't be the uh, the thrust of that movie. Another interesting thing, another stock that started to climb, movie related, was Blockbuster. Uh, Blockbuster liquidation stock was pennies and now it's on the rise. And uh, later in this podcast, I'm going to talk about a documentary that I recently reviewed called The Last Blockbuster that goes into that seismic change and how one of the biggest names in uh, the uh, entertainment industry uh, is down to one location. It's an interesting documentary, and I will have a review for you later on that. I'm aware of that new film about Blockbuster. Is that available yet, or is, you is that a preview you saw? You do have to get it on streaming. You can't go to a Blockbuster to get it because there's <laughs> only one of them. <laughs> so, so, no, <laughs> so you can't you stream it on VOD. I did rent it. I guess I'll talk about it now. So uh, I, I I rented this movie, The Last Blockbuster, and uh, reviewed it. Uh, and I'm post posted on Great A Movies today, and then uh, Film Yap too. And Film Yap, by the way, has a Substack now. This thing where you can get articles sent to your email, which is really cool. Uh, you can find out about new things that are going on. But it kind of shows how Blockbuster got big how people started renting movies, how Blockbuster destroyed the small independent video stores by negotiating direct contracts with the movie studios so they could share revenue of the rentals and not have to pay $100. So you go to a local mom and pop store and there would be three copies of Terminator 2 and you go into Blockbuster, they'd have 70 copies. That's because Blockbuster went directly to the studio and said, we'll pay $2 for a cassette tape and we'll share the revenue with you and we'll screw over the little guy, which, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of themes about the little guy getting screwed over. Blockbuster became big, you know, it's a part of Americana that a lot of kids nowadays don't understand. And what really killed them uh, financially wasn't just Netflix coming around because Blockbuster could have buried Netflix. They could have just stolen their idea and done it better. But Blockbuster was bought by Viacom and Viacom raided the assets, piled debt on Blockbuster, and when time came for Blockbuster to shift into streaming and mail, which they tried to do, they didn't have the capital to do it. 
So they really would have needed something like this stock surge we're seeing with AMC in order to provide capital to make something like that happen. And then the heart of the documentary is about the manager of the very last blockbuster in the United States uh, in Bend, Oregon. Uh, she's a lady uh, named Sandy Harding, and you may have seen her. On, uh, she's been on hundreds and hundreds of interviews. It's kind of the quirky news story that every news outlet wants to do a story on, the, the last blockbuster in America. So she's been on like every news show possible. But the cool thing about her is she seems like an awesome person, like that mom that you wish you had, where she grills burgers for employees. She takes apart the physical like 1990s computer from Blockbuster and like inserts parts um, You and has, still has the floppy disks. If a customer requests a movie and they don't have it, she goes to Target and buys the DVD so they can rent it. And she's stocking up on boxes of candy to sell in the store she's just a one-person show that is dedicated to customer service and it kind of gives you hope and then like at the end credits you see during covid she still didn't give up and she was doing curbside pickup for rentals (laughs) so we've all a lot of businesses have struggled this year and it's nice to see a small business that probably shouldn't be there anymore uh persevering through great customer service. So that's you know, kind of what I took. You know, Wayne Huizenga was the man who built Blockbuster into the big gigantic thing that it was. He's And you mentioned he sold it to Viacom and bought the Miami Dolphins for, and was an NFL owner for a while. And, and uh, then uh, when Viacom bought it, uh, I was generally aware that that's when things went down and the piling of debt and everything. So looking forward to seeing that. I'll have to look at that. One other interesting note, yes, just please. like a bigger conversation about it. It made me think about the old days of going to the video store and what an event it was to kind of rent a movie with your parents or if you were a high schooler on a date and how that was, I think we can't go back in time, but in ways it was a better experience than the streaming options that we have. Yes, we don't have to leave our house. There are a million options. But there's this book that a lot of people talk about called The Paradox of Choice, written by a psychology professor that talks about the more options that we have, it doesn't actually make us happier. And that's because when we have a million options out in the world, what we do psychologically is we start to become less satisfied with the choice that we make. We think, well, what about this other option I could have had? What about this? What about that? We break down the negatives. So when you have a million channels on TV, you can find nothing to watch. When you have a million movies at your uh, fingertips, you watch for 10 minutes and you say, okay, well, this movie's not very good and you turn it off. When back in the day, when you had that VHS cassette, you rented it for the weekend, And you probably watched it two or three times before you returned it. And it was a big deal. Even if it was a lousy movie, it was special to go to Blockbuster or an independent video store and rent something. And uh, I think people appreciated movies more. I think when even prior to video stores, when you had that one movie that every Christmas was on the air and you as a family gathered around the TV and you couldn't even record it because VCRs didn't exist and watch the movie when it was suddenly on TV. It was a special occasion. You were excited. Now kids have so much content everywhere that the value of it is decreased. You know something? I really do believe that that is the definition of Netflix because you have all these movies. And 
Amazon Prime and some of the others. If I get on Netflix, what movie do I want to see? I've got 150 movies I might want to see. Which one? And I think this psychological analysis of, of how we're not necessarily happy because we have all these choices. Do you have any thoughts along uh, these lines at all, uh, Alec? You've been patiently listening. Uh, I'll say that I'm an agenda watcher, so I go in with an agenda and I watch exactly what I plan to watch, though that blows up in my face too. My wife will be like, you always have an agenda, which seems to irritate her. She likes to chill and let things take their course. Me, I like to go in with a plan. Um, in regards to video stores, I, I certainly miss them. I worked at a family video uh, for a while, about 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I certainly enjoyed going to them as a kid. It would be great to walk the aisles and look at covers of movies. The covers would often sell you on something. You may not even know about the movie, but um, I remember being terrified as a child of uh, the Ghoulies cover where a monster is popping out of a toilet. I was worried I was going to get like bit in the butt. I was like eight or something. Well, that so, definitely worked. Kids today don't have that. <laughs> That's true. I go into a video store, but I what I miss the most is something you talked about, Alec, because the people who worked in the stores, almost to a person, only worked there because they loved the movies, and a lot of them, and I'm, I'm guessing Alec, you were one of them had encyclopedic knowledge about films. And you ask these people working at these uh, stores, those, those video stores, a question about a movie, they, either they didn't know or they got curious and they looked it up, you know. Uh, you miss that. That's a kind of a community thing that uh, the video store was. People came together looking for films. Video on demand does not give you that. Okay, I think we've, we've talked about that and too. And we've also missed out on the awkward experience of that little room in the back at the independent stores where you'd see <laughs> the dad going in there while, hey, kids, wait out here for a second. Daddy's Family Video had that room. I used to get to stock that room. It was super fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know exactly. And it was and as strange as it may sound, you know, Blockbuster didn't really do that. And that's how some of those independent uh, video stores stayed in business with that room in the back, but they still ended up going out of business anyway. All right, I want to, I've got a question, and I'm going to start with Alec on this one. There's been some news about Army Hammer, uh, an actor that's been in a lot of films, a lot of important films, some not so so important, but he's been in the news lately. Uh, he he and his wife have split up. Uh, he has been dropped by his management company for some very strange direct messages he sent to women other than his wife. Uh, there's really strange sexual practices and cannibalism involved. I really don't even want to get into more detail than that. Uh, Alec, what do you make of all this? I think Hammer's a talented actor. He's been in numerous movies I've enjoyed. I'm sure he's going to get a uh, slap on the wrist. Apparently he was dropped by... Uh, I think he was with William Morris. Um, apparently more details are coming out today. I, I haven't looked into those as of now. Uh, previous details I know about, I, I guess he direct messaged a woman telling her he wanted to remove a rib from her body and eat it, um, which is gross and weird. But uh, if he's only writing about these things, his own perversions should be his business and probably not ours. I think his wife, uh, the, the, the quote that she gave the media when she left him was, there are things in the world I didn't even know existed. <laughs> Unfortunately, she found out. Any thoughts before we move on, Adam? You know, I guess I'm not a huge Army Hammer fan. Like, 
he's an all right actor. Um, this might be the strangest thing I've heard of seen of him since his cameo in uh, Sorry to Bother You, where he played that. If you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. That, he was a very that may be pretty close to what Army Hammer's like in real life, possibly, given some of these messages and ideas that are coming out. Um, this is so strange that, like, he, I'm not a, defending the guy, but it's hard for me to believe it. Like, it, it's so out there um, to say that, you know, a cannibalism scandal. Uh, I mean, we haven't had any accusations that he's acted on it. But uh, even just the uh, the thoughts about it, um, well, I hope it's not true. And uh, if it comes out that it's not true, it's it's so out there that I, I guess I'll I guess I'll believe it and give them the benefit of the doubt. But uh, and it is true nowadays. You could see leaked messages that aren't true, not movie related, but there were texts out this week saying that Andrew Luck was thinking of returning to the Colts. And uh, either someone who was supposed to be a friend and is a terrible friend screenshotted and sended those texts to the, uh, the media or someone fabricated the text, which also makes them a terrible person. So I don't know. There's a lot of things nowadays you have to take it with a grain of skepticism because you never know what's true nowadays. Well, I think that skepticism is a healthy thing today. I would agree with that. And the whole Andrew Luck thing was manufactured. I mean, if you listen to what Jim Irsay says, he's the one that said Andrew Luck is more retired now than he's ever been. So I, I can buy that one and take that to the bank. Gentlemen, let's move. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alec. You have something. Can I back one more thing or a few more things about hammer real quick sure go ahead. um it is interesting his former director and co-star uh luca guadagnino and timothy chalamet are currently making a movie about cannibalism uh i think hammer's career will bounce back once he makes the proposed sequel to call me by your name with those two guys and he has been good in numerous things he was good in call me by your name i think the man from uncle is a really good and underrated movie that both he and henry cavill are really fun in and he was in The Social Network, which a lot of people feel is one of the best movies of the 2010s, playing two roles, no less. Okay, let's move on. That's a good comment. Uh, just recently had the announcement of the nominations for the uh, Golden Globe Awards. Sorry, I'm trying to deal with some technical things here on my computer. Uh, I saw that Christopher Lloyd, and you both write for the Film Yap. He's one of the founders of Film Yap. Yeah, you write for you know, GradeAMovies.com, and some of your work ends up on the Film Yap. And uh, Christopher Lloyd of the Film Yap, he said something interesting about the Golden Globe nominations. He said in some ways he doesn't understand some of the nominations, and in some ways he feels that they were very bold in the nominations. We're going to go through some of the major categories here in a moment. Uh, Alec, would you agree with that? Or just generally, before we get into the uh, weeds of this uh, general comments about the Golden Globe nominations. I was really happy to see uh, three women nominated in the Best Director category, and uh, I've seen two of those three movies and really enjoyed the two of the three I saw, so I was very excited about that. Uh, I was perplexed about the uh, the lack of a nomination for uh, Delroy Lindo in the Best Actor category. I thought he was certainly deserving and gave one of the better performances of last year. Any thoughts before we get started here, Adam, generally? So Golden Globes um, aren't always the best predictor of what could win Oscars, too. Sometimes there's stuff that 
wins a Golden Globe and doesn't even get nominated for an Oscar. Often in the uh, the comedy or musical category, you'll see uh, an acting win that doesn't even get a nomination uh, in the in the uh, the Oscar categories. There's sometimes um, things that don't get nominated for Golden Globes that end up getting nominated for Oscars. So that does sometimes happen. Last year it was interesting because you have to, if you look at the Golden Globes, the Hollywood, all the all the different, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, all of the award season that starts to pile up, and that'll be changed a lot this year. When something starts to win every single time, such as we saw last year with Joaquin Phoenix and Joker and Laura Dern for Marriage Story and Renee Zellweger uh, and uh, Brad Pitt, like they almost all of them swept the entire award circuit when Oscar time came around, it was like, well, yeah, that, that's what's going to happen. But Golden Globes is just one little award show on its way to Oscars. Just because something wins a Golden Globe doesn't mean it'll even be nominated for an Oscar. Well, and the Golden Globes get a lot of attention because they, they, they come out first and they do that on purpose. It should also, we've talked to, Adam and I have talked about this in some of our past podcasts that it, it, these are awards from the Foreign Press Association in Hollywood. And these are supposed to be people from outside the United States covering the American film industry and entertainment industry. And here's the thing about it. Nobody's even sure, number one, how many members they have. We get various reports on that. There's no official number. And we're not even absolutely sure who's in that association. <laughs> so we know there are some good people in there. We know there's some people who might be ringers. So we don't even really know who this, who's involved in this association. The Oscars, we know a little more. It's a bigger group, but we know a little bit more about who, in fact, is part of the Motion Picture Academy. With that in mind, and because they are for the Screen, Screen Actors Guild came out with some of their nominations. If you want to talk about some of those later, you can. I looked at them briefly before the, the podcast. I didn't plan on, on going... Uh, uh, you know, one by one. Let's start off with the Golden Globe nominations for Best Motion Picture in a Drama. It's The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Trial of the Chicago 7. I've only seen two of those films so far, Trial of Chicago 7 and Mank. Anxious to see Promising Young Woman, just haven't had the chance. I don't think The Father and Nomadland have been released here locally. So... Let me start with Adam. Your thoughts on those nominees? So I haven't seen The Father in Nomadland. From what I hear, Nomadland is is a front runner for a Best Picture nomination or a win even. Um, I'm getting rave things about that. Um, Promising Young Woman, I wasn't totally surprised. Uh, it is a polarizing film. Um, some have loved it. Some have hated it but I think that's what makes it a really good movie. I saw it recently and it, it definitely does leave an impact on you. Mank is one that is award season bait. Um, some people don't like it, but it will get nominations and it's hard to not at least appreciate it if not like it. Um, and then Chicago, Trial of Chicago 7, it's good. I think it might be slightly overrated. Um, it's a little talky. Um, but with a year uh, bereft of choices, um, it may get there. I was disappointed to see that um, one night in Miami and uh, also uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, didn't. neither of them got a nomination. I know that they have both deal with the uh, uh, 
issues of uh, civil rights and characters of color and, and history. Uh, I don't know if they canceled each other out nomination wise, but I thought it was a shame that neither of those uh, scored a, a picture nomination. And uh, I recently saw Judas and the Black Messiah, another film that kind of falls into that vein. Not as good as the other two, but there's been a lot of great films dealing with the important topics of race and none of them get nominated. I think that was kind of a shame. Uh, okay. Let me uh, go to Alec. Alec, I know you're very high on promising young woman. Tell me what you think about that list. Yeah. Promising young woman is still my favorite movie of 2020 uh, from what I've seen. Um, I'm generally happy with the list. Uh, Trial Chicago seven was in my top five of last year. I, I thought the movie was as good as advertised. Um, Mank, I liked a lot, too. It wasn't in my top ten. It was just outside. Uh, but I, I'm not disappointed with the list. I haven't seen The Father or uh, Nomadland yet. I, I very much want to. Uh, like Adam, I would have liked to have seen One Night Miami included in this list. I think it was very uh, deserving. Well, I, how about uh, uh, News of the World? Do you think that deserved to be on this list, Adam? I liked it. You know, a lot of people are hating on the film, saying it was a little too slow. Um, maybe it's Tom Hanks fatigue. I still like Tom Hanks, but I know after so much success, maybe people get tired of seeing him again and again and again. Um, I thought it was a good film. Um, I think Golden Globe wise, maybe not an Oscar, but I think there's there's there more categories and more uh, chances for it to get nominated. I thought maybe a Golden Globe chance there. Um no, that was an underrated film. It's not getting the love that it deserves, but I thought it was really solid. Yeah, and I think Hanks was good in that, and that young girl was from Germany was outstanding, and I think that's what made the film. Uh, his ability to work with her and, and that chemistry between the two of them, got to give the director some credit, too, for, for fomenting that. And I, too, I think One uh, Night in Miami should have been in there. I think uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I also am a bit disappointed to see uh, uh, to see the fact that News of the World, I was much higher on it than some others. Uh, let's ask Alec what he thinks about all this. News of the World was a good movie. Uh, I always like Tom Hanks, and I thought the young lady he played opposite of did a really good job. I believe she was nominated in the supporting actress category. I, I could be mistaken. I don't think Hanks received a nomination, though. Um, unlike Larry, I was probably more impressed by him than I was by her, but they were both very good. And it is a good movie. It's a throwback to uh, Westerns you might have seen in the 50s or 60s. It felt very traditional and uh, was a nice movie. I will note that there was one film that has got a lot of critical love, a small indie film that uh, I thought might get more respect here, and that's Minari. Now, I haven't seen it yet. I hope to get a screener, screener, uh, screener soon, but uh, it's uh, A24, one of their, um, you know, big movies that they're trying to push. They won a best picture with Moonlight a few years back uh, and the critics are loving it. But for this uh, award show thing, it didn't seem to get much love. Yeah. I think today it's even harder to get an audience uh, with the pandemic for an independent film, unless you do video on demand. It might not have helped that Stephen Ewan was pretty outspoken, the lead actor in Minari against the Hollywood foreign press association. I think he accused them of being racist. Well, which, we'll we'll leave at that. At which yeah. point, they're probably not going to be giving him a lot of awards, I even if he, he may be right. Yeah, well, I, who knows if he's right? I don't. As I said, there's so little known about that group; nobody's really sure. That's true. 
Let's very move. clandestine. It, that's a good word to use. Let's go they on. Love to- Sasha Baron Cohen for some reason. Well, the, speaking of that, <laughs> let's move on to the best motion picture musical or comedy. And guess what's the first on the list? Borat, subsequent movie film, Hamilton, music, Palm Springs, and The Prom. I didn't get to see Hamilton. I missed that because I was busy at the time. I know uh, uh, you two have seen Borat. Uh, music I have not seen. Palm Springs I have not seen. I've seen The Prom. It was an okay film. Alec, uh, your reaction to that list? I still haven't seen Hamilton. I need to. It's a pop culture revolution I haven't taken part in. I'm sure I'd probably like it. I was kind of hesitant to watch it at first because I am an avid hip-hop and rap fan, and I thought it might be kind of corny, but um, I need to give it a look one of these days. I love Palm Springs. I think it is one of the better movies of last year. It made my top 10 of 2020. That's the movie I'm rooting for in this category. Okay, Adam, your turn. Terrible five nominees. Terrible. Uh, I have not seen music, so I can't judge that one. But um, look, I liked Hamilton a lot. It's not a movie. It does not belong in there. It, they filmed a stage show. It's a great production. I love the show. It's not a movie. All right? I'm sorry. It doesn't belong in there. Just because you film something doesn't make it a movie. I film my daughter all the time. It's not a movie. Okay? I love those movies, man. <laughs> so, uh, the prom. I don't think we gave great reviews to the prom, did we? I don't think any of us was saying, "Man, this is one of the best movies of the year." I really need to to see uh, the guy from the Late Late Show uh, do a really overly top gay character and set back gay rights a couple decades. We really need to have that going. And then um, Borat too. I'm in the minority here. I'm seeing a lot of people who loved it. But, I mean, I don't know. The shtick got really old. Uh, it, it felt overly long. It, it felt way long, even though it wasn't that long. Um, and I was looking forward to more scenes that didn't have Borat in them and had the supporting actress, uh, Maria Bakalova. She was great. But the movie itself, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not one of the better movie sequels. Palm Springs, it's good. It's, I mean, it won't, it, it's fine. I don't I have nothing against it. That's that's the best one of the four. Hamilton's really good. It's just not a movie. Um, but Palm Springs is good. Andy Samberg, I'm, I like him. Uh, I like Groundhog Day better, but it just kind of ripped off Groundhog Day. But it I was think Palm movie. Springs is way better than Groundhog Day, but that's also kind of a controversial opinion. Okay, I'll buy that. Let's move on with uh, the Best Director nominations. We've got uh, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, David Fincher for Mank, Regina King of One Night in Miami, Aaron Sorkin, Trial of the Chicago 7, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. I haven't seen Promising Young Woman or Nomadland. I would just, after seeing One Night in Miami, I would really like to see Regina King get some love for that film. I just really enjoyed that film a lot. It was a, and I think it's it's difficult for a director to take a stage play, which is what One Night in Miami was, and make it into a compelling film. I think she did that. Alec, your thoughts? I'd be very happy to see either Emerald Fennell or uh, Regina King win the award. I suspect Chloe Zhao may win it. Uh, that movie kind of seems like a juggernaut this award season. I think the movie Zhao 
and Francis McDormand are probably going to be kind of unstoppable. Okay, your your turn, Adam. What do you think? They did much better on this because there's some really good nominees here. I haven't seen Nomadland. I expect to love it. Um, I think we all really liked her previous movie, The Writer. Uh, Larry was really big on that one. Um, and so we know that she's a talented director, so I, I assume this one will be good too. Uh, I actually, Promising Young Woman, was I liked the movie, but I was really impressed with Emerald Fennell as a director. And I told Alec I thought she was my favorite director of the year because whether you like the movie or not, this is a complete vision where you could see that she really had a choice of what she wanted to do with that movie, love it or hate it. It was something that she really envisioned and had a vision for. So uh, I appreciate it from there. Regina King is just really likable and she did a good job. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing her win. And even if you uh, weren't big on Mank or Trial of Chicago 7, those are heavyweights and David Fincher and uh, Aaron Sorkin, both have won Oscars, not for best director or best picture, but in, in other categories, they've won Oscars and are, are very talented. So seeing them nominated, not a surprise. Well, and Chloe Zhao on The Rider, what impressed me so much about The Rider, a film about, bull, uh, you know, uh, uh, bull, bull, bull riding, I guess, or whatever you want to call that. Uh, uh, what happened in South Dakota, it's a rural area, and that's, it's a big thing if you live in rural South Dakota to be riding horses like that. And he had, she took an entirely non-professional group of people. And they're not actors. They just were expected to do things they normally do. And to, to be a director and, and pull that off at the writer was amazing. Now she has some first-class acting talent. And uh, I'm I'm anxious to see that, and, and seeing all the uh, honors it's already receiving, that's uh, something I'm anxious to see. So let's move on for best screenplay for a motion picture. Again, we have Emerald, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Jack Jack Fincher for Mank, Aaron Sorkin Trial of Chicago Seven, um, Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton for The Father, and again we have Chloe Zhao for. Nomadland. So we have a lot of overlap there. Some of these directors have written the script, or in the case of Mank, I think it was his brother that wrote the script, or if I remember it's, uh, right. Father. His, his father who passed away. Excuse me, you're right. I just remembered that it was his father who passed away many years ago, and he took that script and, and uh, made the film Mank. Uh, so let's start with Alec. Uh, uh, again, we're talking about uh, writing a screenplay for film. Uh, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on, on that lineup? Of the three of the five I've seen, I, I approve of those nominations. I'm probably rooting for Fennell again, but uh, I wouldn't be upset at any of the others. It did warm my heart to see uh, Jack Fincher nominated. Uh, I think it's kind of beautiful that his son was able to make the movie uh, sort of in his father's honor well after his passing. Yeah, and I'll say that uh, one comment I'll make is I think Mank was a difficult film to write. Uh that uh, nobody's even sure if that's even close to what happened, you know. And there are a lot of people who are from film historians who've been writing pieces about Mank saying, "Oh no, that's not the way it happened. It was Orson Welles. Mankiewicz didn't have nearly as much of an impact as you might think." So on this listing, uh, what are Adams' thoughts on that? There's one name that I hope will get. So am I correct to say the Golden Globes, they adapted an original, it's just all one category, right? Just best screenplay, it's all it is. Yeah. 
So in the Oscars, you're going to have it broken up to original screenplay and adapted screenplay, which gives more options for people to get nominations. One name I hope to see nominated in one or both of those categories will be Kemp Powers. He uh, was the co-director and uh, co-writer of Soul, which was my favorite movie of the year. I thought it was a, for an animated film. It had a great screenplay. And we've seen animated films get nominated for screenplay. Up was nominated for best original screenplay. So this was better than that, I think. And he also was wrote the play and screenplay for best adapted screenplay for One Night in Miami. So I hope in Oscar wise, he gets nominated in one or both of those categories. I can't argue with those that did get nominated on the Golden Globes, but he's a name I'm, I'm rooting for getting nominated uh, somewhere in there. Let's go to the individual performances. Uh, let's start off with dramatic performances by an actress, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day, The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. I mean, I love Viola Davis. That's one of the few films on that list I've seen. But one film I am really looking forward to seeing is The United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, anybody who knows the story, she's one of the greatest uh, jazz and blues singers in the history of American music. Uh, she was, what happened to her in the U.S. government, she had a drug problem and they came down on her pretty hard. I, I want to see that story. And Andra Day, as I understand it, has never acted before. She's a singer. And she was scared to death in, in taking this role, but the filmmakers wanted her in the role and I'm hearing good things about that. So, Adam, I'll let you start. Your thoughts on this list. So, um, obviously, Viola Davis is fantastic. She already has an Oscar win. She'll probably win another Oscar at some point. I'm always somebody who likes to root for someone who hasn't won. So that's no slight against uh, Viola Davis. And the same for Frances McDormand, who's already won two Oscars. Um, both are kind of creeping into that Meryl Streep territory as some of the best working actresses out there today. I'm kind of rooting for Carrie Mulligan because she hasn't won an Oscar and she was fantastic and promising young woman. I will say Vanessa Kirby. I recently watched uh, pieces of a woman on Netflix. It is slow. Um, I don't know if I could, would rank the film itself super high, but her performance is really good. And so she's someone that will be on the rise as a name to come uh, similar to what we saw with uh the uh, I was the actress from Little Women. Um, Alec, you know the name. Saoirse Ronan. No, the supporting actress. The the uh, the, the woman from uh, Midsommar. Yes. F Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. How she kind of broke through last year, got an Oscar nomination. Now people are wanting to put her in every movie. I think uh, we're going to see a similar thing with Vanessa Kirby. Uh, she'll probably get an Oscar nomination, but not win. But It'll definitely rise or raise her profile. Uh, fortunately, we'll see her more work. Okay, let's move on to the actor in a drama category. Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Anthony Hopkins, The Father. Gary Oldman in Mank. And Taha Rahim in Mauritanian. Uh, I don't think I've seen any of these films except Mank. Uh, I've got to believe, or I saw Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Take that back. You'd have to think that Chadwick Boseman would be the, just because of emotions, would be the first, uh, uh, would have some edge on some of the others. What are your thoughts, Alec? I think he's the one to beat in the category. Uh, 
pretty sure he's got it in the bag. Riz Ahmed was great in Sound of Metal, and uh, I wouldn't take anything away from his performance. I haven't seen some of the others, but uh, I think it's Chadwin, Chadwick Boseman's award. What do you think, Alec? Or, uh, Adam, I mean, do you think yeah. uh, Chadwick Boseman will have that sympathy with the uh, Foreign Press Association? Yeah, other guys will have chances down the road, and they're all worthy of nominations. But I think just sympathy-wise, Chadwick Boseman's not going to get other opportunities. So even though he's passed away, it would be great to honor his legacy by giving him the Oscar for this. And he deserves it. Yes, I, a tremendous work. I mean, that film, what he did in that film, and only later knowing what tremendous pain and health issues he was going through and still putting in that unbelievable performance uh, was was something of note. So even though I haven't seen some of the others, and I've heard good things about Anthony Hopkins and The Father, for example. All right, let's move on to actress in a musical or comedy, Maria Bakalova for Borat, Kate Hudson for Music, Michelle Pfeiffer, French Exit, uh, Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot, and Anya Taylor-Joy, Emma. Uh, this is the first... Uh, category where I don't believe I've seen any of the films. So, Adam, I'll let you start. Any thoughts? I'll one-up you. I hadn't heard of some of these films. So, not that I hadn't seen them. I'm like, these are, I haven't even heard of them. And I, I read a lot about movies, and these weren't ones that are on my radar. I think Maria Bakalova will probably win, although in the Oscars, she'll probably go to supporting actress category, which would give her a better chance. The Golden Globes actually had some strict rules about what could be a lead in what could be a supporting role. And they actually uh, said for one night in Miami that um, they had to all be in the same category, all four actors. So they were all lead or they were all supporting. You couldn't put two of the actors in lead and two of the actors in supporting to try to get multiple nominations. The Oscars will be a little more lenient that way. And what happened? It got no one. I don't know. The actors got a nomination at Golden Globes as a result of that. Uh, Alec, you have any further thoughts before we move on? Uh, I would have liked to have seen Kristen Milioti from Palm Springs nominated in the category. Her co-star, Andy Samberg, was nominated in the Best Actor in a Comedy category. Uh, I thought she was even better than he was in the movie. I haven't seen many of the movies in that category, but uh, she she belongs there, in my opinion. Okay, the last uh, one we'll talk about in detail here is a performance by uh, an actor in musical or comedy. Of course, Sasha Baron Cohen in the Barat film. James Corden in The Prom, Lynn manuel Miranda in Hamilton, Dev Patel in The Personal History of David Copperfield, and Andy Samberg for Palm Springs. I'm going to just offer two comments on this before I open it up to the two of you. First of all, I, I go back to what Adam said earlier. Is Hamilton really a film? It is, it is a stage production that was filmed. I don't think it was a real film. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I just wonder if it should even be in, in the mix. And I've got to think that I haven't seen all these films, but of the ones that I've seen and am familiar with, I have to think that James Corden is by far the worst nomination I have seen on any of these lists. Adam, you start this discussion. I haven't seen the personal history of David Copperfield. Uh, I think you told me it was all right, right? I like. Well, I tell you what, I remember most about that film. It was my first time in a movie theater after the pandemic, so I was excited to be in the theater. But uh, I liked that film a little more than most. Def Patel was very good in it and was he's, worth he's, consideration. He's always a good actor. I haven't seen the movie. I guess I'll root for him. 
I don't Sasha Baron Cohen, not for this one. He's double nominated. He actually got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven. He's much better in that than he is in Borat Two. And James Corden, uh, he was bringing the entire movie down. I don't understand why he would get nominated. Lin Manuel Miranda gave the best performance. Again, not a movie. Okay, your turn, uh, Alec. Uh, your thoughts. Even though I preferred Kristen Milioti's performance in Palm Springs, I'm rooting for Andy Samberg in the category. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Vince Vaughn nominated for Freaky here. I thought he was awesome in that movie and did a lot of really good work in 2020. I hear you say, I still think Corden is just, I mean, I, I, he did, you know, to me, Corden being cast in that part was something the director did because Corden was probably perfect for that part. I just don't think he did an outstanding job in the film. Uh, the Prom, which is an average film at, at best, uh, but it's, it is what it is. So um, those are all of the categories I uh, would like to highlight. Are there any other comments about the Golden Globes? We're uh, running out of time here. So, uh, Alec, any Golden Globe thoughts about those categories or any others before we move on? I was kind of surprised Chadwick Boseman didn't get nominated for supporting actor for uh, the five bloods. I was kind of surprised by no nominations for the five bloods. I thought the movie was good. Think it's worthy of praise and awards. Um, I'm not sure. Did Paul Racy from sound of metal get nominated? Uh, Sound of metal got one nomination. Riz Ahmed got the nomination for uh, actor in a drama. I would have liked to have seen Paul Racy nominated in supporting. As good as Ahmed was, I think Racy was actually the heart of the movie and maybe my favorite performance in that movie. Okay, I'll turn this over to Adam. Uh, Golden Globe thoughts before we move on. Um, yeah, I'm surprised the lack of acting nominations for um, the uh, One Night in Miami. Um, did... Did Leslie? Did any of them get nominated? Anything? That was my Odom comment. Jr. Got nominated supporting. Oh really? Okay. okay, so I take that back. Okay. I didn't know if it was for Hamilton or for that. Um, he's it was deserving. For yeah, all he's four of those guys are deserving, in my opinion. They were all excellent. Yeah, and um, I would have liked to see a little more love for Judas and the Black Messiah. I think it did get uh, some nominations here and there in acting. Kaluuya got one for yeah. supporting, I believe. Um, he was actually kind of a lead role, though, so I'm surprised they let him put in supporting. Uh, I think their strategy was running Lakeith Stanfield lead and Kaluuya supporting. I think it got a nomination for song as well. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Uh, I think the the comedy or musical part, uh, it hasn't been very strong. I, you know what? I understand why they do it. There's some great comedies over the years that don't get the love at the Oscar level. Maybe they get a screenplay nomination like Bridesmaids. <sighs> but they don't get the love that they deserve. And you'd like to see those films get honored too. But um, sometimes they don't have a lot of good choices to fill those categories. Okay. <laughs> uh, g- gentlemen, uh, what I'd like to do is kind of take the last part of our uh, podcast today and just leave it open for you films you've seen recently that uh, you want to talk about. So I'm going to ask Adam to start anything you want to discuss uh, that uh, has you have seen that that's worth discussing, either good or bad, since uh, we've been gone for a few weeks. So I already mentioned the last last blockbuster. That was a really fun documentary and uh, pieces of a woman, uh, promising young woman. Uh, saw that and it really had an effect. 
I was surprised by the kind of twist at the end. And uh, it's a difficult one to watch, especially um, if someone has had experience with uh, an assault or something like that. Uh, but it's an important movie and a well-done movie. I do want to talk about one film that comes out next week, uh, and it is on HBO Max streaming. I think it'll be in theaters too. It's Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, a film by director Shaka King starring Daniel Kaluuya as uh, Black Black Panther's party leader, Fred Hampton. And it's a true story about a young man, a black man who infiltrates the Black Panthers for the FBI. And uh, Martin Sheen plays uh, J. Edgar Hoover in a brief cameo in the film. He's got some, a lot of prosthetic makeup. And uh, Jesse Plemons, one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood, uh, has a really good role as the can you trust him, can you not FBI agent who's uh, pushing Lakeith Stanfield in order to infiltrate the Black Panthers. Uh, this film ultimately kind of limps towards the end. So um, it's not the, the greatest screenplay or the strongest direction, but the acting in this film is top notch. And it's an important story that many people don't know. And it doesn't really glamorize the Black Panthers. I think it shows a true objective look at what happened. Um, they did some things that are positive and some things that were negative, uh, but they were also the victims of intense uh, overreaction by the federal government uh, that may have uh, led people to have the opinion that they had for many years. And now people are realizing, well, uh, yes, they may have uh, had some bad people involved with the Black Panthers, but there are also some, uh, some good things they tried to do, too. All right. Let me turn this to Alec. Uh, films you've seen recently, either way, that uh, you might want to discuss at this point. I did just watch one immediately before starting this podcast with you guys. I watched the new Netflix movie, uh, Malcolm and Marie, directed by Sam Levinson, starring John David Washington and Zendaya. I uh, thought the movie was pretty good. It's not the easiest of watch watches. Uh, the two of them aren't especially likable in the movie, but it's beautifully photographed and they perform wonderfully in it. So that's worth a look. I've written a ton of reviews already this year. I think I've written 14 so far since the last time we recorded. So uh, please go check them out at uh, the film app or grade a movies. Uh, Try to think of anything else. Did you want to discuss the little things at all? Yeah, the Little Things is really good. There's another um, movie on HBO Max that is also in theaters with an all-star cast of Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. All of them have won Oscars for acting. And uh, I think it's a really enjoyable film. It's a throwback to the 1990s uh, crime thrillers. I know you got some noise in the background. That's okay. We're all recording at home. No problem. Yeah. Go ahead. But... Uh, you know, I don't want to overrate the movie and say it's one of the best of the year, but I enjoyed it. I was a little surprised by Jared Leto's acting nomination that he received, though. I thought he was kind of chewing a lot of scenery in that movie. You know, I have not seen Little Things. I'm anxious to see it. But uh, it's really had a mixed uh, bag review from the uh, the critics so far. Uh, have you seen this yet, Alec? I reviewed it. Uh, Chris Lloyd and I both reviewed it. Um, and we were both high on it. He was higher on it than I was. I gave it a four out of five star rating. Um, I know a lot of other local critics didn't seem to enjoy it. Most of them seem to be roaming somewhere in the two to two and a half range. Uh, I thought all three of the lead performers were really good. I too was surprised by Leto getting nominated uh, for best supporting actor at the Golden Globes, but 
his performance was my favorite of the three in the movie. I thought he was super fun and hammy and entertaining. Gentlemen, I want to ask you one last question before we wrap this up. We're almost uh, an hour here. Uh, you've, I, I think it's been what, uh, I can't remember how long it's been. Has it been a year or two that you've started uh, GradeAMovies.com? It's been a while. You've also branched out and started uh, writing also for the filmyact.com. Let me start with Adam. Uh, are you pleased with where Grade A Movies has gone? Are you happy with uh, the number of people reading what you are are writing and the growth of the of, of the GradeAMovies.com? Just give me your general thoughts. So, I mean, I think we could. There's things I can do better on the site. Sometimes I don't post as quickly as I should, and there's a lot of opportunities. But it's been cool because, you know, sometimes I always think writing isn't always about how many people read it. Uh, sometimes I enjoy writing something even if nobody reads it just because the act of putting pen to paper or the most cases putting your hands on the keyboard and writing something uh, is really a good practice for the mind. I think it'll prevent me from uh, losing my mind early, Larry, is the, you know, being able to write all the time. So, <laughs> You know what surprises me? You know, I do film reviews on my podcast series and what surprises me, it's certain there's certain reviews that people listen to a couple to three years after I've done the review, like uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I'm still getting people listening to that review. The Joker, I've still got people listening to that review. Those films are, are years old. Uh, I'm just kind of surprised that people come back to film reviews I've done a, um, a long time ago, and uh, I'm, most of my film reviews get pretty good traffic. Alec, tell me about your, you, know, you and Adam started this GradeAMovies.com. Um, your thoughts on how it's gone so far. I'm just thankful uh, to Adam for being a good friend and uh, bringing this opportunity to me. He kind of gave me the kick in the ass I needed to get back to doing this. I, I wrote a ton about film in college, kind of stopped other than little capsule reviews on Letterboxd for like 15 years. And have gotten back at it. Uh, I mean, I've written a ton. I've written, I, I think, since last February when I've published my first review, which was Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. Um, I've written, I think, 110 reviews since in less than a year. So uh, I'm really enjoying the opportunity. It's afforded us good and interesting opportunities with uh, Chris Lloyd and the Filmy app as well. I'm thankful for him and him his support also. Um, I'm just really enjoying it and uh, thinking I'm getting better and why continue to get better. Chris Lloyd has been awesome, really. So he's been a big supporter of, uh, I think, local film critics throughout the state. And uh, what he does with the Indiana Film Journalists Association is really good. And so uh, I appreciate that he uh, and so a lot of times, you know what he'll do, which is really nice, is he'll he'll open up a lot of the reviews for someone else to review it. He doesn't claim all the best movies for himself to review. Uh, he's really good about creating a community where everyone gets kind of like a different chance to write about something. And it's not like just all one person. Well, and it, if you want to read their reviews, gradeamovies.com, that's where you go. That's the name of this podcast, but you can also go to the filmyap.com and you'll find some great reviews there as well. It's really good to know that we still have good local film reviewers, even though nobody makes a living at it anymore. Chris did years ago working for The Star, but that was a long time ago. And uh, it's, it's sad that we don't have people who can at least make some kind of living 
uh, doing film criticism, but that's just the the world in which we live and the kind of journalism we have, the the change of the business model for that. Uh, we're almost done. Uh, any final comments about anything? I'll let Alex start. Any uh, final comments before we go? I think we've been pretty comprehensive. It's been nice talking with you, gentlemen. Okay, Adam, your last shot. So Valentine's Day is coming up. So word of advice to the guys out there. A lot of people were staying home. Maybe you'll get carry out and watch a movie. Pick something that your wife or girlfriend likes. Don't make her watch a terrible, uh, pretentious indie film or a super violent horror film on Valentine's Day. Please listen to you. Unless that's what she likes. <laughs> make sure. That's my wife chimed in. My wife oh. doesn't yet. So, Smart woman. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Ask her what she wants to watch. Don't just pick something you want to watch. Even if it's appointment viewing? If you, Alec, if you have to watch The Notebook for the 50th time, watch The Notebook for the 50th time. We're more crazy, stupid love people in the Tombs household. That's a good one. I, yeah, I, I sure. would plead guilty earlier in my life I have uh, made that mistake, and I know never to do that again. By the way, uh, your restaurant, uh, Adam, Donatello's in downtown uh, Carmel, where we did the Hamilton County Goes to the Movies uh, podcast for years, you will be open for a time on Valentine's Day, even though you're normally closed on Sundays, correct? Yeah, we're going to do carry out, and um, we'll have the DoorDash uh, on, too. So we open from about 5 to 9 p.m. on. It usually closed on Sundays, but for a big day like Valentine's, we will be open. Um, so I hope uh, people can know we have all our staff masked, and we take the precautions, and we hope you have a good holiday with the person you love. Well, I've already talked to Jane, and we are preparing our uh, carry-out order for Valentine's Day at Valentello's. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll be back again soon with the Great A Movies podcast. My name's Larry Lannon. You've been listening to Adam Austin and Alec Toombs, the two gentlemen who write for GreatAMovies.com. Should we make an appearance? I think we're say something, uh, Adam, so okay. we can give your daughter an appearance here. Adeline, what movie do you like? What movies do you like? Do you like uh, Kiki's Delivery Service? Yeah. <laughs> do you like Frozen? Yeah. You like what else do you like? <laughs> she has to think about it. That's okay. But yeah, she likes watching. The other <laughs> night, she didn't want to go to sleep. She turns to my wife and says, "I want to watch a movie with Daddy." Daddy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's great to see you, Madeline. You take care. You and Adam both. Alec, thank you very much uh, for joining us. And I will simply ask you to join us again. We'll be back soon on the GreatAMovies.com podcast. My name's Larry Lannon. Please be safe and be kind.